The Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. If the word you hear is not mine, but that of the Father who sent me. I told you this while I am with you. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You heard me tell you, I am going away and I will come back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father. The Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. The Gospel of the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. I love you. I see, uh, thanks, man. That's a first. Appreciate that. So, uh, I love you. Three hard words to speak, right? Sometimes it's easier, but if you've ever been in a relationship, maybe those of you who are married, do you remember the first time you spoke those words, I love you? Do you remember the anxiety, that butterfly stomach churning death thing going on? Because you don't always know what the other person's going to say. I remember the first time I told my beautiful wife, Rachel, I love her. I looked at her, this, this beautiful woman, I looked her in the eyes and I said, I love you. She smiled and her eyes were glistening and she looked back and said, I appreciate you. <laughs> well, she was honest. In all honesty, it was very early in our relationship. The funny thing is, if I got to talk to that Christopher all those years ago about love, I had no idea what it was. Even the day we got married almost nine years ago now, standing across from each other, proclaiming our love for each other, now I look back and think that kid had no idea what love was. Right over our marriages, it grows and it matures and it multiplies. So I'm sure even in 20 years from now, I'll look back on now, Christopher, and think that kid had no clue. Right? We grow in love. But the reason I bring this up, because that first time, as funny as it would be, it was honest, which I greatly appreciate, Uh, As funny as it was, is I think that's often how we talk with Jesus. His entire life is a big, I love you. All he does, all he says, all all his little gestures are all acts of love. He is constantly proclaiming his love for us. I love you, he says again and again in the scriptures. I love you. And we look at him and I think we we say, well, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate all you've done for me. I appreciate your sacrifice. And I, and I appreciate your love and your forgiveness and your mercy and your grace. But do we really love him? Jesus tells us what it means to love him. To love him is to keep his word. Keep my word, he says. Keep it perfectly. Desire it. Hunger for it. Search it out. Listen to it. Obey it. Be obedient to it. Keep my word. Luther would say, say and keep the Sabbath commandment, or keep the Sabbath holy in the third commandment, 
Luther would say that we're not supposed to despise or avoid preaching and teaching and hearing the scriptures. To keep his word is to constantly go towards it. But not with resentful obedience. Not with some like begrudging, like, I guess I'll have to do it. But that it become our willing desire. And that only comes from trust. Do you trust God's word? Do you trust his word is for you? Do you trust that everything he says and does is for your good? And do you fully rely and lean on him? Because I'm afraid I don't. I don't always keep his word. There are times when I'm struggling in life, and instead of turning to my God in prayer, I use whatever financial resources I have to buy food or some other comfort to try to distract me from what's going on, to get some experience out. There are times in my life where we even save up money to go on some trip or some vacation because it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing and I wouldn't want to die and miss out on that experience. As if what God has planned for us in the future is inferior to whatever we can experience now. So just go grab an experience. There are times I've, I've thrown my, my trust in my own ability to do and accomplish and be productive instead of trusting in God to overcome the, the, the obstacles I face and even the the holes I've dug. So often I've trusted myself instead of him. Do you trust him? Do you trust him when he says, I love you? Think, about, think of the people in your life you trust. It comes with time, right? And it comes with an openness over time. And trust is important. To know you're out to protect each other when things get tough and bad. Whenever I think of trust, I think of the war and wars. A soldier has to trust his commander. When the commander tells him to go into battle, the soldier has to trust him. To not to waver, not to turn back, but to have full trust. It's not enough to fear. There must be a willful obedience to trust that the commander has what is best, uh, in the best interest of the company in mind when he sends them out. Or even the trust between soldiers. The training and and the trials they go through are meant to build up trust so that when you're in a foxhole with a guy and he's supposed to cover your flank, you're not sitting there wondering if he's doing his job. Because if you keep looking over your shoulder wondering if he's doing his job, you're going to miss what's right in front of you and both of you are now in danger. You have to trust each other in those moments. And it happens in all places of life. In our families, we require trust. And and in in our work, we require trust. Sports requires trust. The quarterback has to trust his left tackle. Or the quarterback feels very, very acute pain. It's all about trust. Do we trust our God? That what he says is for our good? Because he tells us if we keep his word, he and the Father dwell within us, abide with us, live with us. But if we don't keep his word... We don't love him. So I ask you, have you kept his word perfectly? So do we love him? And he's not looking again for some resentful obedience. This this demand is too much on any of us. And if we just take this this verse, this couple verses out of context, it it becomes this, this cruel cosmic game of Simon says. Just jump through the hoops for God, and if you do it well enough, then you get the prize. No. The disciples don't quite get it either. And so Jesus goes on and he tells them, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send when I leave, will teach you everything. 
and remind you all that I've told you. The Holy Spirit's going to come to the disciples. We know this with Pentecost. And he's going to teach them fully what Jesus was saying this whole time. And I find this fascinating. Jesus wrote nothing. There was the one time he writes in the dirt, right? But we don't even know what he wrote. Jesus writes nothing. He tells us to keep his word and then he doesn't write it down. He entrusts his disciples to record everything. He gives them the Holy Spirit and trusts them to do this work so that we, thousands of years later, may receive that word. And so, in doing so, he begins the church to be a place where truth is found. That this here would be a place where his word is kept and heard in this congregation of sinners. I, I hardly trust my kids to do small tasks so they might mess it up. God, creator of all the universe, heaven and earth, took on flesh and entrusted 12 fishermen and tax collectors and other guys to keep on that message for all eternity so that others may believe. He trusted them. And he gave them the spirit and baptism. Even as we experience baptism today, Addison and Aurora received the spirit to keep the word and be bearers of that word in this world. And he goes on, he says, peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. He doesn't say, keep my word or else I will come and smite you. He says, peace I leave you. The Eucharist. The Eucharist that we're about to celebrate. You've heard those words before. My peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. He's not demanding the impossible. But he's asking us to turn our eyes to the greatest act of love ever. He's he's speaking these words to the disciples in the upper room just moments before he is betrayed. And he's telling the disciples to look at what is about to happen and to be filled with peace. Don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Can you imagine what it was like to watch the crucifixion? There's every reason to be troubled to be afraid, as they took him away, as they beat him, as they drove the nails through his hands and through his feet. There was every reason to be full of fear. Have peace, he says. Have peace. Trust that what I am doing is because I love you. Trust that everything I am doing is because I love you. When we don't trust, we go to the world and it lets us down again and again and again. It's never enough, is it? It's never lasting. And what Jesus is saying is, is the peace I give to you is not like the peace of this world that comes and goes. It's fleeting. It's temporary. He's giving us a deep, lasting, abiding peace. He's offering us a new thing. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to draw us into that. He doesn't leave us alone. He says to them, I'm going away. And I will come back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I'm now going to the Father. And we think of his death and his resurrection as death when for three days he was away from his disciples. And then his resurrection. But now even as we're entering now into ascension, when Jesus ascends back into heaven to the Father's right hand, we, we, we say, okay, so when is he coming back again? He'll come back again, but when? It's been 2,000 years, Lord. Why aren't you here? Where have you gone? 
And he says, rejoice that I'm going to the Father because he's going there to prepare a place for us for all eternity. Rejoice. But now we sit in these moments and there are times we wonder, where have you gone, Lord? It's hard to rejoice while Jesus is gone. It's hard to understand why he would leave, why he wouldn't just stay forever, sit on a throne and rule over the earth. But he's come for something greater than even that. As he prepares for us a home in heaven. And he goes on, he says, I tell you this now before it happens so that when it happens, you may believe. You're not going to understand what's about to all transpire. You're not going to get it. It's not going to make sense. But I'm telling you now so that when it all transpires, you know what's going on. You can trust and believe that everything I've said, everything I've done is an act of love. Greater love is no one than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. Do you believe? Do you trust? Do we trust Jesus? Because that is an act of love. His entire life is a love song, a ballad, if you may. How will we respond? And part of our response is Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. We give thanks for all the Lord has given to us. So do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? I do. I do too. I fail to show him that love all the time. But we have a groom who is so faithful with forgiveness and mercy. It's like, it's like a marriage, isn't it? This is the analogy used in the scriptures again and again. It's like a marriage. At first we're like, we love Jesus, and then we realize we had no idea what that even meant. But over time and commitment and fellowship with our Lord and our God, communion with him, we grow to understand more deeply this love he has for us and our call to love. So today he offers us a word of peace, of forgiveness. I love how first Peter says it. Peter, Peter says, Love covers a multitude of sin. And he's talking about between people when we fight, love covers a multitude of sin. And I'm sure you've experienced that in your own life. But think of the greatest act of love. Did it not cover a multitude of sin? Did it not cover all of sin? And so he showers us and pours out upon us love. He does this new thing for us and he offers us his peace. And so we come here today with joy. We may have entered these doors broken or, or struck with sadness or other troubles or things that are on our mind and bothering us, but, but may we come and receive from him joy and peace that surpasses all understanding so that what we know and say, I love him, can transform our hearts. He has given you the Holy Spirit to transform your heart, to desire him as he so deeply desires you, to heal you, to restore you, to love you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.